sorry, I'm a very visual person, so I try to do as much visual things as I can. Um, uh, so the word that I, it was actually an image that I saw uh, for someone in this room. I don't actually know who it's for. Uh, so I just pray that you, were, you would receive it. Uh, so the image that I saw was that Brett was God and I'm whoever this word is for. And this is what I saw. Um, just God like comforting that person. It was like this. That's the image that I saw for someone was that and it was like everything around them was completely out of their mind and that person was just completely fixed in on God and was just so comforted by God that nothing else in the world mattered. And if that word's for you, I really just encourage you, don't get caught up in the world. Don't get caught up in what's going on. Hard times come, but... Yeah, just that image was just like a, actually, you can do this because God's with you. Um, which I thought was quite cool because it kind of ties into my message, so praise the Lord. Um, okay, cool. Um, yeah, so the word that I felt uh, God wanted me to share on was Elijah in the cave. Uh, so if I can get you guys to turn to 1 Kings 19. Uh, verse 3. But before I go there, Brett, can you put that image up for me, please? Because if I say that, then that's completely out of context. I want you guys to understand what happened before. And if I read it, it takes forever. I try to read it. So, yeah. Okay. If we have a look at this image, Elijah's on this side, and there's the prophet of Baal. The prophets of Baal, sorry. So there's about 400. And what happens is that Elijah caught a duel with the prophets of Baal to show which God was real. Uh, and what they had to do was they had to set an altar on fire without lighting any flames. They had to put the wood on there and um, put a sacrifice on there. And whatever God lit the, fi- uh, the flame, then that God was real. Uh, so this is Elijah actually mocking the, uh, the prophets of Baal. He's like, yeah, come on, like... Worship your gods because they're going to set this on fire. And just sarcasm is. It's really interesting that the Bible has sarcasm. But anyway, here's Elijah making fun of them. And he does it twice. Um, And he calls down the fire of God that God would light this altar on fire. And he does it twice. Uh, Once uh, everyone around him is praising God, um, he ends up killing the prophets. He slaughters them. So after that, the king of Ahab, who was there, runs away to his wife, Jezebel. I really encourage you to look at um, First Kings because it gives a lot of context, but I'm just wanting to shorten it down so that we can understand this, context, uh, this part of Elijah's life. So pretty much uh, King Ahab runs back to his wife, Jezebel, and tells, him, tells her what's hap- what happens. And what she does is that she's out to kill him. So what? Elijah does is that he runs away for his life Um, and that's what I want us to have a look at today. So if you can have a look at 1 Kings 19 and we'll start from verse 3. Okay, it says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Bathsheba in Judah, he left his servant there. 
While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom brush, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel turned to him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. It's really interesting that when God, uh, when Elijah's having his moment, like it's pretty much he wants to just, he's over life and he really wants to just commit suicide. But God was there, you know. God still provided for him. He met his need. Oh, that wasn't even written there. Anyway. Um, yeah, the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. Cool, so we're up to verse 9. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty, the Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, went out and stood at the mountain of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazal, king, of, king over Aram. So I just want to stop there because there's heaps. But I do encourage you to look at it. Uh, so I just want to share something that happened to me in 2016. Uh, it was probably the most trialing years I've ever had to deal with. This year, I was given leadership of the youth team. Uh, so the youth team from the gate. Um, this year was a year of persistence. It was clinging to the promises that God spoke over me, and it was definitely faith strengthening. And to be honest, I, there's moments where I felt like I just wanted to give up. So yeah, so pretty much what happened is that I was given leadership of a youth ministry, and we had about 30 youth, and then as soon as I jumped on, it shrank down to two youth. Um, yeah, there were way better people uh, that were gifted to lead this ministry. Um, I thought the handover was a failure, and people around me were saying it as well. I thought, <laughs> great, God has brought me this far, and he's going to drop me as soon as I get into leadership. That was my thought. There were youth nights that 
yeah, youth didn't even show up. I tried to avoid any conversation. So if someone was making a beeline for me, I would walk the other way. That was, that's how I tried to avoid every conversation that had to do with youth. You know, I had some amazing people get around me and encourage me. And uh, the John Andrews who have gone out, um, you know, they met with me weekly. They were like, let's just pray. You have no youth, but let's just pray because God's called you to it. You know, it was awesome that they were encouraging. And um, Brett, my husband, he was encouraging as well. But sometimes a human can't bring relief. Only God can. And that's what I want to encourage us. You know, I was invited away. So during that time, I was invited away with uh, the Willis family to their batch in Hahe. And I just remember saying to God, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do it because no youth showed up that Friday night and we were leaving. And I thought, nah, this is it, Lord. I'm over it. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm throwing it in. So we were out at a cafe and Nancy, uh, so we were all sitting around a table and Nancy asked me a question, and I was like kind of listening, kind of not listening. <laughs> I'm really sorry, it comes out now. <laughs> no, I was kind of listening, but kind of not listening, because immediately, like through the conversations that was going on, God said, what are you doing here, Nirvana? And um, I just remember crying. I just couldn't stop crying because I thought, through all the distraction that was going on, God spoke to me in a whisper. So I went before God and I told him everything that was going on. And obviously he knew, but he wanted me to talk to him um, and he wanted me to wrestle to him. So the first point that I want us to go away with, like Elijah, if you're going to run, run to God. So he did run away. Yeah, so Elijah did run away from the problem, but he ran to God with the problem. In verse 3, it says that Elijah was afraid, so he ran for his life. Elijah was honest with God. In verse 4, Elijah says, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. It's funny because even when Elijah was doing um, what God, or when he ran away from God, um, under the bush, he still, God still met his needs. And I just want to encourage us that no matter where you're at or no matter where a family member's at, he will still meet their need. So uh, just two things that I really feel like God wants us to uh, be careful of. The first one is don't think you are justified from what you do, which was a big one. So when I went away to... Um, Hi, I said to God, I've done this for you. I've done that for you. Before I came to leadership, I was faithful. I served you. But we need to be careful of that because we try to use that as leverage to get our way with God. So when we're having an argument with someone, which I, my loving husband, I know he loves me, is that I'll bring up facts like, nope. Remember, this is what we said, and this is what we said, and this is what we do with God as we try to leverage our way through it when that's not what God wants. So that's the first one. Don't think you are justified from what you do. The second one is, don't think you are justified 
from what you do. And that's the sins that you commit. Okay? God loves you so much that he doesn't want you getting caught up in the sins that you've committed. Because what we think as Christians, and I've thought this as well, is I've committed a sin, so he's going to take me on a merry-go-round until I get it right. And sometimes we feel like that as Christians, like, okay, he's trying to teach me a lesson, so obviously he's going to take me around, and then I'll get it right the next time. Or what we do is I've got to get this right, and then I can go to God. But that's not what God's about, okay? He loves you so much that you are not justified from your sin. That's why Jesus died for you. So that you would be justified through him, not your sin. Not trying to get things right. So with these two things, what I've found is that people turn away from God because of it. Because he doesn't, because what we do is we make a list of the things that we've done right. Yeah, Lord, this is what I've done. This is what I've done. You haven't met me, so I'm out. It happens. It's, it's happened to loved ones as well. Okay, so I just, that's one thing. Another thing is we list our sins and then we start to put it in front of Jesus and say, oh, this is bigger than what you've done for me. I'm out. It's real. But I just want to encourage you, those are the two things that we need to be careful as as Christians because that's not what it's all about. So when Elijah said, Lord, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. He was. And I encourage you to look at his life because he was a zealous person. And I just want to clarify, yes, we are justified, but we're justified through God, not our works. Romans 3 verse 24 says, And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Whatever you do, isn't going to save you, isn't going to get you to heaven. What Jesus did for you is exactly what's going to get you there. Cool. On a side note, um, when I was reading when God said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said it twice. And I thought of when um, parents ask you to do something. So like, no, Anna, go and do the dishes. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll get there soon. Or nah, someone else can do it. Um, and then the parent says again, go and do the dishes as if they're waiting for you to change your answer, not like I didn't hear you. <laughs> um, and if you're an island family, then a jandal came off the second time someone said that. So anyway, um, yeah. So why was God waiting for Elijah? To, was, sorry, was God waiting for Elijah to change his answer? I'm not too sure I'm putting it out there, so. Cool. Awesome. So our next point is remember. We need to remember what God has already done. If we look at Elijah's life, God did some amazing things through him. And then he goes and says that he's just as bad as his ancestors. And if you have a look at his ancestors, they were just completely worse to what happens these days. They turned away from the Lord. They were worshiping idols. They were killing people. They were eating people. It was just that brutal. So he did all these amazing things for God, and then he says to God, I'm just as bad as my ancestors. Mm. 
So when I came back from Hahe after my little cry and wrestle with God, um, like I said, we went from one youth to none youth, none at all. So that year we didn't have youth, um, but I really felt like God was saying, you need to commit to being the leader. And I thought that was funny because I'm like, how could you lead something when there's nothing there? Like, and I had no team, so I just had to lead youth without youth. But yeah, I really felt like God said that you needed to press through. Uh, I needed to press through to catch-ups. I needed to press through to leadership meetings and even just to prayer meetings. I had to really cling to God and remember what God had already done for me and what he had called me to do. Oh, there was... I remember nearly at every prayer meeting, I would stand over here. So we're all in a circle. I'm standing over here and God goes, okay, cool. Pray in the youth. And I'm thinking, really? Oh, if I do, Lord, like here I am having this internal struggle with God. Okay, if I do, people are going to think I'm really needy and really desperate now. And then he's like, no, pray it in. So I'm standing here and I'm like, okay, if everyone stays quiet for 10 seconds, then I'll start praying, Lord. And then I'll start counting. I'm like 10, 9, 9 and a half, 9 and 3 quarters, 8. And yeah, I'm just having this internal struggle. And then when I get to one, I'm like, oh, no one's praying. That means I've got to pray it. Um, and, then I, and, then I, and then I have another internal struggle and I'm like, okay, I'm going to look to the left, and if someone's, like, kneeing on their knees, then I'll definitely pray it, Lord. I'm like, okay, I look to the left, and they're on their knees. I'm like, oh, come on, Lord. So, no, I just, okay, I said, yep, cool, I'll do it. And nearly at every prayer meeting, I felt God say that. So <laughs> I felt drained after prayer meetings. Eh? It, was, it was just, wow. Um, yeah, so every time I felt that, I uh, felt God say that, I did it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but what I, what I felt God say is, you need to keep focus on what I've called you to do. After one of those prayer meetings, someone gave me a word, and this person said that it was really heavy on their heart. Uh, and the word was, what are you doing about it? And I just felt instantly peace. Because then I heard God say, that's right, stick to it. Because I thought, oh, man, I'm pretty sure everyone's getting sick of me coming to prayer meetings and praying in youth that doesn't exist, you know. Um, yeah, but just that word, yeah, I just heard God say, that's right, stick to it. And I just want to encourage you, whatever God's spoken to you about, stick to it. You might not see the breakthrough right now, but God will, God will meet your every need until you get there. So let me ask you a question. When you are in hard times, do you forget what God has done for you? Because I sure do sometimes. <laughs> I'm not trying to nullify hard times because if you don't go through hard times, then I don't think you're human. It's just real. First Thessalonians 5 verse 18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 
when God speaks to the Israelites, he always says, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God says that throughout the Old Testament. And the reason why is because the Israelites knew what God had done for Abraham. They knew what God did for Isaac, and they know what God did for Jacob. It's interesting because God had been with Elijah throughout his whole life. Why did he think this was any different? So when you are going through your hard times, do you need to remember what God has done for you? Because I definitely do. I had to during that time. I had to remember what God had called me to do. Even when all the odds were out against me. Sorry, I just spat. Come in closer. <laughs> oh, gosh. Study. Okay. <laughs> praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Okay, just what we're rem- uh, remembering. Sometimes we need to remember what God has done for other people. Um, when I first became a Christian... The first thing that I really wanted to see was my loved ones come to the Lord. Uh, and last year, I just got really frustrated with God. I thought, I've been a Christian for that long, and I still can't see a loved one come to the Lord. And then I remember, um, it was actually Cherry. Cherry had been pl- praying for a loved one for years, and then that person came to the Lord. And I thought, no way am I giving up. Um, Brett, can you pray the brink of a miracle? So what happened was that my grandmother always used to play the song and I hated it. But can you turn it up, please? actually an old hymn and (laughs) this song used to really annoy me as a kid so sorry this is my nana on my dad's side she used to play this and it was so annoying but (laughs) but don't give up on the brink of a miracle don't give up God is still on his throne and I just really want to encourage us man I was on the brink of giving up um and you know loved ones still haven't come to the Lord but when I heard Cherry's story, I thought, no way am I giving up. So I just encourage you, and I hope that sticks in your head because it's really annoying, that song. <laughs> um, yeah. And just my last point, which I think is quite big for us, is it's a race. God doesn't take us out of our race. He sends you the way you came. So if you have a look at Elijah, God said to Elijah, go back the way you came. And then he reminded him of what's next. Which is really awesome because after that, even greater came after Elijah. Elisha, the kings, the prophets. It was amazing. So the verse that we're all familiar with is Hebrews 12 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, 
Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Yeah. When I came back from Hahe, there was no immediate change. <laughs> Actually, there was no change. It took like nine months to see change. But God didn't say oh, do- what we immediately think is that it's instant. Instant change will happen. And I'm not saying that, it, that there isn't that because definitely healing happens instantly. But sometimes healing takes time. And... For me, I, I wanted to see instant change. I wanted to see youth there, but that didn't happen straight away. God didn't send me another way. He sent me back. And that's what I want to encourage you, that, yeah, sometimes we get injured in the race, but God will send you back in. So just the last thing that I want us to highlight is, yeah, when I was going through, you know, getting this word ready, I really felt like God said, I want you to have a look at his location. Where is Elijah? So I looked up, well, obviously he's in a cave, so I looked up what a cave meant in like biblical sense. And so obviously I found that Gideon um, taking refuge from the Mediites and the cave where David hid from Saul. Um, Obadiah had the prophets and other meanings, you know, cave usually represents refuge or hiding place or whatever but God kept saying no and I thought hey I've done the research no (laughs) and this is what your word says no 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 no, I didn't say that I said okay cool (laughs) cool okay obviously obviously that's not the meaning of it um and then I realized yeah he was in a cave but he was also on the mountain the mountain of God Sometimes we need to get out of the cave and get onto the mountain to see it from God's perspective. And I thought that was quite awesome that God did these amazing things to the mountain because he was in the cave, that he ripped it open, that he sent an earthquake, uh, that he sent the fire, but God was in the whisper. And Elijah went to go stand out at the edge of the cave and he was on on the mountain. Sometimes we are in the cave, and I'm not trying to um, nullify where you're at, but sometimes we need to see it from God's perspective, the mountain. The mountain that he was on is the mountain of God. And if you look through uh, the, the Old Testament, that's where Moses got the, um, the, Testament, uh, the 12 commandments from. That, 10, 10. Oh, I better check my own Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm thinking 12 disciples. <laughs> My bad. Yeah. Okay, sometimes. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, he was on the mountain of God, but he was in the cave. I don't know where you're at, um, whether you're believing for healing, whether you're believing for restoration, 
whether you're believing for the next step and what God has for you, or sometimes God is just wanting you to stick it through. Yes, you may be in the cave, but you're on the mountain, and I think you need to change your perspective, you know? We, as humans, can only see what's going around us. But sometimes you need to see what God's got for you from his perspective. And that's what I want to challenge you guys about. So yeah, um, I just really encourage you, um, wherever you're at, can we all stand up? Is that okay? Yeah, I just want to say that again. I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you are believing for healing, whether you're believing for restoration or the race has just become too hard. And another thing that kind of just dropped into my mind is maybe you don't understand what's going on around you. I really want you to just right now, we'll pray after this and just change your perspective, you know. If you're going to run, run to God. If you need to remember, remember what God's already done for you or what he's already done for people around you. And the other one is, it's a race. Cool. So I'll pray, and then I'll hand it back over to Bird. Cool. Yeah, Lord, I... I just thank you, Lord God, for who you are and what you've done and what you are doing and um, everyone that's here, Lord. Um, your word says, oh, it, you know, sometimes we don't feel you there and sometimes we can't see what you're doing, Lord God, but your word says that you would never leave us nor forsake us, Lord God. So wherever we are, Lord God, I pray that we would surrender that over to you, Lord God, that we would look to you, for answers, oh God, that we would look to you for strength and endurance, oh God. I pray that you would bless everyone in this room, Lord, um, and that you would just continue to speak to them about what, what you want them to hear, Lord God, not what they can see. We praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.